Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. It's the Tampa Bay Rays 9, the Cleveland Indians 8. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I really, really wanted to talk with you this morning about an Indians win. I, I really did. I was really looking forward to it. Instead, the losing streak extends to seven games. And it is just getting ugly out there. I really thought the Indians had this one wrapped up. I didn't get to listen to the beginning of the game. I was off on a hike with the family, getting the dog some exercise, and got back in the car just in time for the Indians to start railing. I thought I was the good luck guy last night. I get in the car, and all of a sudden, Oscar Mercado gets on, Cesar Hernandez. We start to put together a rally in that uh, fifth inning. And I really thought I really thought we had something there. I mean, it was a pretty incredible comeback rally. And for being down uh, 4 nothing, and then 4-1, and then 5-1, to come storming back and make it an 8-5 game, you think this is in the bag. A three-run lead late in the game. Our best bullpen arms ready to go. We got this. We absolutely got this. Instead, they just chip away at us. They chip away at Nick Wickren. They chip away at Brian Shaw. And uh, Karinczak does his job in the eighth. And they chip away at Emmanuel Classe in that ninth inning to come back and win. And, I mean, that's got to be the storyline of the day. Uh, the bullpen, it looked like it was a clear-cut case of the Indians' bullpen being better than the Rays' bullpen. Neither pitcher makes it, neither starter makes it out of the fourth inning. Um, they had a very short leash on Rich Hill, which was surprising because it's it wasn't that bad of a stat line. Uh, three and two-thirds for Rich Hill, three hits, one earned run, one walk, five strikeouts on only 57 pitches, only two hard-hit balls. Drew Rasmussen comes in and gets absolutely clobbered. Gives up five hits in one inning, four runs, no walks, one strikeout only, and the big home run given up to Fermil Reyes. 35 pitches, he gives up four hard-hit balls. Um... Jeffrey Springs, it doesn't go so well for. He gives up another run. Uh, J.P. Reason gives up two runs. Then their bullpen locks it in. They use Kitteridge and Fairbanks in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings, and they shut down the Indians, combined for four strikeouts, two hits, no runs, though. They are hard hit three times, but they shut things down, whereas the Indians' bullpen... Uh, Garza does a good job coming in after Logan Allen gets into a ton of trouble. Logan Allen only lasts three and a third, seven hits, five earned runs, two walks, no strikeouts for Logan Allen, and the big grand slam given up. He is hard hit six times on 65 pitches. Garza gets hard hit three times, but he doesn't actually give up a hit in an inning and two thirds, no hits, no runs, no walks, one strikeout. So really good job by Garza out of the bullpen, who was getting hit hard, but at least getting hit hard at people with his sinker. Uh, Wickren comes in and just, this is where they start to chip away. Uh, It looked like it was going to be okay for Nick Wickren uh, coming in in the uh, sixth inning, and they just start to chip away at him. 
and it wasn't hard hit stuff. It was it was pretty weak hit stuff. And this is after the Indians had taken a big lead. And we'll get to the Indians offense in a second, but the pitching, the big story here for me, the storyline is the pitching absolutely the bullpen letting us down this time. The bullpen had been so good for so long. Let Tampa Bay back in this game and let us down a little bit here. Uh, so immediately gives up a single to G-Man Choi. Um, gets Zanino to line out to Bradley Zimmer in center. Gets Brandon Lau called out on strike. So it looks like um, Wickren is going to lock this thing down. Instead, Kiermaier then singles on a line drive to left field. Choi moves up to second. And Margot floats one over. I would say floats one. Let's see what the exit velocity was on this one. Um, but basically bloops one over the head of uh, Cesar Hernandez at second base. Drops it in. And Choi is able to come around and score. With two outs, he's able to really move on the crack of the bat. It was only hit 75.9 miles per hour exit velocity. So it's not like he smoked a line drive off him. It's a bloop single. It's a expected batting average of 760. So, you, I mean, it kind of sucks for Nick Wickren, uh, who seemed like he had that inning under control, uh, but then just gives up three hits in the inning and gives up a run. But it's okay. Shaw comes in. Gets Arosa Rain at a line out right back to him. And actually, an incredible catch by Brian Shaw. It was a line drive. It was only hit at 62 miles per hour. But from the pitcher's mound to home plate, even 62 miles per hour seems like a heck of a line drive. And Shaw's able to get his glove up and snag it. So you think, all right, we limited the damage. Eight to six. It's fine. It's fine. Well, and then it comes around the seventh inning, and former Cleveland Indian Yandy Diaz, uh, he gets one. He gets a cutter from Shaw. After Shaw gets the first two outs, he gets a cutter that creeps back over the center of the plate and absolutely destroys one. 99.9 mile per hour exit velocity, 355, an expected batting average of 630. He cracks a home run out to right field. And uh, they were talking about it. They were talking about how he goes opposite field. He likes balls out over the plate because he goes opposite field. And that's exactly where Brian Shaw puts this one. It is up at the belly. It is the middle to middle of the plate, basically. And uh, this is definitely not where he wanted to locate this pitch. And that was a common theme with the Indians on this day, uh, giving up stuff right down the middle. Right down the middle. In fact, I wonder if we just filter this um, by all the in-play no-outs and in-play runs. And let's see where all these pitches are lined up for Indians pitching. And yeah, it's pretty much right down the middle of the plate. There's a few singles that, uh, a few balls that they went down for, a few balls on the left edge of the plate. But for the most part, everything Tampa Bay hit yesterday was right down the pipe. Now, that's not completely surprising. Everything the Indians hit yesterday was mostly right down the pipe. They did go up and reach for some balls that were up and uh, up into the right out of the zone. They did reach across and get a slider. Uh, Fermil Reyes went out and got a slider that was outside. Um, Jose Ramirez took a changeup that was way off the plate for a hit. 
So there were some more spread out pitches from Tampa Bay pitching that the Indians were able to hit, but everything Tampa Bay hit off of us was down the middle of the plate, uh, including Brandon Lau's grand slam, which was a fastball right down the pipe. So yeah, so the Indians pitching did have a problem last night of letting things creep back over the middle of the plate. And uh, that is going to cause troubles. I mean, we talk about throwing strikes, but but the middle of the plate is just as bad as, uh, you know, missing high and away or something like that. Like, you have to be able... Sorry, in Major League Baseball, you have to be able to command the edges. You got to be able to command the edges of the zone. And uh, it's asking a lot of these pitchers, but... If you want to be great in Major League Baseball, that's what you got to do. That's that's the name of the game. So uh, Brian Shaw lets one creep back over, and Yandy Diaz cranks it out for a home run. Does get G-Man Choi to strike out to end that and get out of it. Like I said, Karinchek is dominant in the uh, in the eighth inning. Gets Zanino to ground out. Uh, gets allowed to strike out on a foul tip, and gets Kiramayer to strike out swinging. But then uh, Classe comes in in the ninth inning, gives up a single to Manuel Margot. Margot beats it out, uh, a ground ball to second base. He actually beats it out because it was deflected by Emmanuel Classe. And Margot absolutely beat this thing out. He's got blazing speed, but he does pull up lame, uh, pulls a hamstring. So hopefully, you know, you never want a guy to be injured. A guy who was four for four yesterday against us with four singles, two RBIs. Margot is absolutely dominating Indians pitching yesterday. And he's not having an incredible season. Margot, since he got traded from San Diego, and even in San Diego, has never really uh, been that huge hitter that I think some people thought he might be. It's never been a really high batting average. Um, I know he was someone who was talking about when we were making trades with San Diego. He was a name always floated out there because, let's face it, it, Cleveland needed outfield help. But he was never included in any of the deals. He's never had... I mean, his highest OPS was 2017 when he had a 721 OPS in 126 games. So his rookie year... Uh, he had a 721 OPS. It's been 600 OPSs for the last few years, and now he's up to 700. He's got his OPS up to 700. But his on-base percentage has never been very high. 297 on-base percentage. Uh, so yeah, so this is someone who doesn't strike out a ton, but also doesn't hit a ton. Plays good defense. He's fast, but hasn't really blossomed as a star, I would say. Um, had a decent run in the postseason last year. What was his postseason um, numbers for 2020? I remember him being really talked about. Yeah, he had five home runs in the postseason last year. Hit 276 with a 344 on base, 552 slugging, and 896 OPS. So definitely turned himself into somewhat of a star last year in the postseason. It just hasn't really translated in the regular season. He's still hitting 252 with a 700 OPS. Would you take that in your outfield right now over uh, Bradley Zimmer, who's hitting 212, and Oscar Mercado, who's hitting 211, both with OPSs in the 600s? So probably. Probably would take Margot in center field if you were Cleveland. Um, so yeah, so uh, he is able to lead things off in that ninth inning. Um 
Arosa Reina then singles on a line drive to center field. Nothing Bradley Zimmer can do about that. Wander Franco then singles on a line drive to Oscar Mercado. It'd be the only thing Wander Franco would do on the day, but it would be enough. The young shortstop rookie who is supposed to be the next big thing goes one for five on the day with this being his only RBI. He's hitting 229 to start off his major league career, 698 OPS, but delivers this one here. And it takes a big hop. Uh, we saw a couple balls yesterday take some big hops on that AstroTurf. But the Indians outfield is able to snag it, but not before the runners are all able to advance a base. So uh, Brett Phillips scores, a Rosa Reina goes to third, and Franco moves up to second on the throw. And at that point, they intentionally walk Austin Meadows, and it brings up Yandy Diaz. And it was a situation where you needed to cut the runoff at home. They had just tied the game, and they just they were hitting everything, everything that uh, Class A was throwing, and he was throwing that hard cutter. He was throwing it a ton, and they hit it three times. And this one is one where the infield knows they have to go home with it. Cesar Hernandez gets one to his left. He tries to spin and throw home. Throws wide. The run comes in to score. Yandy Diaz is the big hero yesterday. He ends up going two for five on the day with two runs scored. A home run and two RBIs. Uh, Like I say, he's hitting 247 with a 700 OPS. And... uh, I know a lot of you out there feel like the Emmanuel Classe, um, not the Emmanuel Classe, the Encarnacion trade uh, that brought us um, Carlos Santana back, that brought us Jake Bowers, and we had to give up Yandy Diaz to make it all work. Uh, a lot of you feel like Tampa Bay won that trade, right? That Yandy Diaz going to Tampa Bay was a big win for them. It hasn't been. It's been all right for Yandy Diaz in Tampa Bay. He hit 307 last year in the shortened season uh, with an 814 OPS. The great thing about Yandy Diaz the last two seasons, his on-base percentage has been higher than his slugging percentage. This dude gets on base and he walks more than he strikes out. Last year he walked 23 times, only struck out 17. This year, he's walked 50 times and only struck out 49 times. So he's got a 700 OPS right now, but it's all supported from that on-base percentage. So that's what Yandy Diaz brings to the table for Tampa Bay. And he's definitely working out a lot better than Jake Bowers ever did in Cleveland. So yeah, they probably did win that trade, but it hasn't been... um, you know, it hasn't been, he's not an all-star or anything like that. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a completely unbalanced trade. Because remember, we got some. We got a good year out of Carlos Santana because of that. Right? 2019 Carlos Santana was fantastic. So there were positives and negatives to that trade. But yeah, Tampa Bay probably won that trade. And they definitely did last night because Yandy Diaz turns out to be the big hero. And Class A, like I said, everything getting hit, being down the middle. Class A was really attacking the strike zone with that cutter, but he wasn't getting it really up enough. He was he was putting it, you know, at the belly, you know, at the waist, at the belt, at the, at the letters. He was keeping it all locked in that spot at the belly, and all three cutters are in the zone. I mean, really hittable up pitches in the zone. He was not attacking down. 
Um, and he was getting hit around because of that. There's there's no pitches below the strike zone, which is weird to see from Kase because he is someone that gets his slider down. He is someone that can throw his cutter at the bottom of the zone. And he just was not getting anything. Everything was up. And even if it's coming in at 100 miles per hour, if it's all coming in at the same eye level, eventually those guys are going to time it out. And that's exactly what they did. So Klasse has to get that pitch down. Has to get a slider down. Has to get that pitch down. Did he only throw one slider on the day? That's what it's looking like here. Let's go over to the player breakdown and confirm that. Uh, Yeah, one slider. And he missed with it. 15 cutters. Six swings, no whiffs on his cutter. They fouled off two, and they put four in play. So, yeah, they were not having a problem with his 100-mile-per-hour pitch. Averaged 99.6 yesterday. They were not having trouble with it at all because it was all right there in the strike zone for them. So, the Indians, normally they have trouble throwing strikes. Today, I don't even... Logan Allen... Oh, God. Logan Allen, they just weren't missing anything that he was throwing yesterday. Only six whiffs on 32 swings. It's good for a 19%. His CSW on the day was 22%. I didn't get to watch a lot of the Logan Allen stuff early in this game. Uh, His slider was the most effective pitch for him. Uh, He had a 32% CSW on his slider. Uh, They only put four of those in play. On 12 swings, they whiffed four times, fouled off four, and put four in play. The fastball, they were all over. 16 swings on his fastball, only one whiff. Six foul balls, nine put in play. And they averaged 97.2 mile per hour exit velocity on his fastball. So, not fooling anybody. And like I said, down the middle, he, he was finally throwing strikes yesterday. They were just really down the center. He was either missing off the left edge of the plate or he was putting it down the middle. Very few pitches along the right edge, working the outside edge. Very few pitches actually catching, I think maybe two, three, four pitches actually catching the left edge of the plate. Everything else he was either pulling across or putting it, I mean, right down the middle. It's actually insane how many pitches are down the middle from Logan Allen. And again, if we look at all the things that were hit, Margot's a righty and he did take an inside slider and get a hit off that one, a single off that one. And then Choi, a lefty, took an inside pitch, a fastball that was up and in, and he hit a double off that. The other hits are all coming right down the center of the plate. So yeah, Logan Allen, it is a big struggle right now with him as our starter. All right, that is enough about the pitching. Man, I have droned on about the pitching. I have not even talked about the offense yet because it was a pretty incredible offensive day for the Indians, and it's all led by Fermil Reyes. He was absolutely smoking the ball. He was one hit away from the cycle. He was a triple away from the cycle, which we've seen it happen before. We have seen it happen before, but he really brings us back into this game. Uh, I believe in the fourth inning, it is him, it is Fermil Reyes that delivers that first run for the Indians. Let's go over to the scoring plays here. And, uh, yeah, in the top of the fourth inning, he singles, uh, pulls a high pitch and kind of just pulls it right into left field and allows Ahmed Rosario to score. Those guys would both, uh, Jose Ramirez was on base. Those guys would actually pull a double steal off, but they weren't able to bring in any more runs in that fourth inning. Then in the fifth inning, it comes around again. And what a rally in the fifth inning. 
Uh, Ahmed Rosario gets the scoring going with actually a fielder's choice, uh, a chopper to third base, which brings in Oscar Mercado to score. Get a guy to third with less than two outs. There was nobody out in this situation, and uh, good things can happen. And Oscar Mercado breaks on the on the contact and is able to come in and score. Jose Ramirez then shoots a single through the, the uh, shift, shoots one through the right side, and brings Cesar Hernandez in to score. And then Fermil Reyes comes up and absolutely cracks a home run on a full count. He came back on a full count and uh, took an outside pitch. This is the one that was out and away and puts it off the hard rocks facing out there in right center field for the big three uh, two-run home run. And uh, that is the one that actually ends up tying the game at five. So the Indians come all the way back in this fifth inning and tie it up. And the momentum was clearly on the Indians' side because then they'd come around in the sixth inning. This time it's Cesar Hernandez who drives in Oscar Mercado. Uh, He hits a nice single that he pulls into uh, center field, just drops a bloop actually, drops a bloop into center field, brings in Oscar Mercado to score. Mercado had a great day in the bottom of the lineup setting things up. He had a hit and two walks, and uh, it's got his OPS up to 634. We talked about Bradley Zimmer doing the little things. Well, this time it's uh, Oscar Mercado doing the little things, walking twice and a hit, ends up scoring two runs because of it. So then uh, the Indians rally a little more. It brings Fermil Reyes back up, and this time Fermil Reyes hits a line drive double that gets over the center fielder's head. And it goes off the wall, and Cesar Hernandez and Jose Ramirez are able to come in and score. So that's how the Indians did all their damage. It was really Fermil Reyes. Uh, Fermil Reyes did all the damage. But this is awesome. We talked about this lineup being weak without Jose Ramirez and Fermil Reyes there, right? Well, with them back in the lineup, I mean, it moves Eddie Rosario down to fifth, Harold Ramirez down to sixth, Bobby Bradley ends up down at seventh. And then you get Roberto Perez and Oscar Mercado. So it really lengthens the Indians lineup. And the top of the order was feeling it yesterday. Two hits for Cesar Hernandez. Two hits for Ahmed Rosario, including a double. Two hits for Jose Ramirez. I think he beat the shift twice with singles. He scores two runs. And then for Mio Reyes with three big hits and five RBIs. And if we're looking for MVP for the day, I think the guy that delivers five RBIs and is a triple away from the cycle Definitely deserves it. So it's the first big game back for Fermil Reyes. And uh, three hard-hit balls on the day. And it's just really good to see him back swinging the bat like that, going to right center field. I told you, man, when he's back and with Bobby Bradley, both these guys going oppo uh, are really going to cause some damage. The bottom of the lineup did deliver. In fact, everybody had a hit yesterday except for the five spot of the lineup which started as Eddie Rosario and eventually became Bradley Zimmer. Rosario left with, I guess, pain in his side or something like that. So we'll see if he's got one of these oblique things. Um, We'll see what happens here with Eddie Rosario because another injury, right? That would just be this season. Another freaking injury. But yeah, this lineup is a lot better with Fermil Reyes and Jose Ramirez there in the 3-4 hole. And that's where Reyes belongs. Reyes is a... Born to be a cleanup hitter. Just please, I don't care if it's a lefty or a righty, leave Fermil Reyes in the cleanup spot. Uh, so, yeah, so that is the Indians' offense. Um, and Fermil Reyes, MVP for the day. 
I wish it was a win. I wish I didn't have to talk about Shaw and Wickren getting hit around. I wish that wasn't the big storyline, but it was. The storyline should have been this Indians offense and how they came raging back for eight runs in the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings of this game. But unfortunately, they fizzled out. The uh, Kitteridge and Fairbanks did a really good job against them out of the Rays' bullpen. And the Rays are able to chip away and score. Uh, score once in the sixth, once in the seventh, and twice in the ninth inning to take this game. All right, so the losing streak continues. They're fighting. They're battling out there. They're definitely still battling. And with Reyes in this lineup, I, Reyes definitely brings some fight to this team. You could tell. When he's on that field, he is there to compete. He is not someone who is going to lay down and let the White Sox run away with this thing. So they're off today. It's a preempted rainout. You're saying, but Davey, they play in a dome in Tampa Bay. There's a big tropical storm coming up. Uh, it came through Cuba. It's coming up through uh, the Gulf side of the state of Florida. And basically, they, I mean, it's, it's going to be unsafe. It'd be unsafe to ask people to come to a game. So they're preemptively raining out the game for today and then they're going to play a traditional doubleheader starting at noon tomorrow so if you enjoy some day baseball if you like having the game on while you're at work you're going to be in luck on wednesday because there's going to be plenty of baseball to talk about so no episode tomorrow and then we'll do a big doubleheader episode on thursday morning so again the final from tampa or st pete i mean technically kind of both it's the Rays 9, the Indians 8. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>